African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Uh, well, today we are not broadcasting in our Johannesburg studios. We are outside. We're right here in Sunning Hill, where the SADC uh, Industrialization Week is uh, taking place. It's a strategic uh, a gathering of government, the private sector, uh, to look at how do you actually strengthen and uh, foster uh, the intra-trade in terms of industrialization in this particular region. And we we know that uh, this particular event is uh, really, really central in, in terms of fast-tracking things in uh, this particular area. We know when it comes to industrialization, there are various factors when it comes to intra-trade that are negative on the African continent, especially when you look at the issue of access to energy, also access to the markets in terms in, of the intra-trade uh, industry and what's also another challenge when it comes to the industrialization in the region is the fact that uh, we need actually a growth of small medium enterprises to actually get access to those particular markets. So we are here where the conversation is taking place here and uh, we'll be getting ready to speak with our guests here. Well the conversation started yesterday and and uh, it was uh, actually opened by uh, the uh, Minister of uh, International Relations of South Africa, um, who is Maitin Kwane Mashabane, who opened it uh, uh, yesterday, really speaking about uh, the importance of a united force, whereby also you have actually the region that is making sure that it has peace and stability and also sustainable development. Those seem to be the very central issues of this particular conversation. But I'm going to just go back to our Johannesburg studios as we are getting our guests ready. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll start the conversation uh, this side here at uh, Sunning Hill. Let's go back to the Johannesburg studios, take a quick break, get our guests ready to speak with us and then we'll be back after this. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Nam, kwenye line ya simu, hivi sasa, najiunga moja kwa moja. Farafina. Farafina. Terre de soleil. Está na companhia do serviço em língua portuguesa do canal África, a voz de renascença africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do Sul. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. 
You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspectives. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. This is African Dialogue. Remember, we come to you every Monday, 11 o'clock Central African time, from Monday to Thursday. Panel discussions from Monday to Thursday, bringing experts to look at the big conversations on the African continent. As I mentioned, opening the program today, we are right here at the SADC Industrialization Week, which is taking place here in Sunny Hill, South Africa, bringing together the private sector, government, and also stakeholders, researchers, to look at what opportunities lie in intertrade in this particular SADC region. How do you strengthen the value chain systems in the region? How do you also really minimize the issues of red tape uh, around the issues of small, medium enterprises to work with one another on uh, the, uh, in this particular SADC region? It's fantastic. We've got uh, uh, two guests with us from SADC itself. We've got uh, uh, Mapolayo Mukwena, who is uh, SADC Secretariat from Botswana, and we've got Munane Munane, who is a Program Officer of Industrialization uh, Policy. Let me start with you, uh, Mapolayo, in terms of looking at this particular issue of uh, integration, especially when it comes to really heightening and fast-tracking industrialization in this particular region. Is it a reality where we are seeing corporates working side by side on this region? Uh, And are we removing those red tapes when it comes to policies? Because that seems to be an area of concern, especially for large businesses. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, Well, this is one area which um, in the region we are looking at critically. Mm. Uh, earlier on, some of the speakers were talking about partnership, partnership, mm. partnership. Uh, yes. Uh, the issue of regional integration and infrastructure development mm. um, uh, 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 supporting industrialization mm. should not be a government alone program or mm. agenda. Mm. A national issue mm. it has to be a regional issue it has to mm. be a continental issue it has to be a global issue sure. and therefore that's where now you begin to to to, to establish or to, to form partnerships mm. that will help you to realize that mm. uh, for instance um, if you are looking at uh, what we are trying to do now in the development of uh, regional value chains mm. now this is not South Af- it's, a, it's not a South African issue only, sure, it's not a Botswana sure. issue only, sure. it's not um, a Namibian issue only. <coughs> you now begin to bring the partners together and say, mm. if we were to develop this, mm. what do we need? What mm. do we do collectively, as a mm. collective? Mm. So you need public sector, mm. you need private sector, mm. you need investors, you need everybody to come mm. uh, uh, to, to, to get together to a table and discuss those issues. Now, you know, coming to you, it's very interesting that... Uh, uh, Mapula highlights that particular issue because <coughs> it seems every time I come back to NAPID infrastructural conversations, the big conversation is whereby it seems like the private sector is not buying into the vision. It seems like investors are not really fast-tracking their, their views in terms of believing in the goal of uh, seeing this bigger picture in terms of intertrade in various regions on the African continent. In SADC, is it still a challenge getting the buy-in of investors in the private sector? Uh, th- thank you very much for uh, that observation. Um, I-, I think I'm pleased to say that uh, in recent times we have made tremendous progress 
uh, in terms of uh, trying to bring the private sector on board, mm. um, I, I think you would uh, understand and know that the SADC Industrialization Week mm. is essentially a private sector activity. Sure. It's, it's driven by the private sector. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a private sector initiative in, in a nutshell. Okay. And the SADC Secretariat is only a partner in that uh, uh, process. Mm. So to us, uh, that's that's very commendable of the private sector. It shows a lot of uh, interest from the private sector. Mm. And uh, if you look at the program as it is, uh, you realize that uh, by and large uh, participants are from the private sector, mm. uh, facilitators are largely from the private sector. Mm. Uh, of course, um, we can't do that without uh, uh, participation of uh, member states. Mm. And they have uh, also come on board, but uh, the participation and the role of the private sector is very, very encouraging. So I would uh, like to note that uh, indeed, uh, maybe uh, private sector buy-in was uh, a challenge in the past, mm. uh, but it's something that we are working on, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to say that uh, the activities of this week, mm. uh, in fact, uh, from last week, mm. uh, sorry, from last year in 2016 in mm. Swaziland, mm. Uh, private sector activity has been uh, phenomenal. Mm. Uh, so we are really seeing buy-in. Uh, now, can you give us some few examples of that particular activity? Have we seen some form of practical things on the ground that have actually unfolded in the last two years or so, as you have alluded there? If Ma- if you allow, I may come in sure, sure. now on the um, in the infrastructure uh, space. Okay, sure. We we have formed or established what we call public-private dialogues. Okay. So we bring them uh, as early as possible in project preparation okay. uh, where we agree that these are the priorities and we will be carrying out studies mm. but validation of those studies, the findings and so on and so forth, we bring them to the private sector. Okay. So you will have public sector saying whatever they have to say about a particular project, Mm. private sector will be bringing those critical issues that maybe we were not even aware of as Mm. public uh, uh, sector. Mm. So we we have had that. We saw that last year Mm. when we took some projects, uh, I'll mention three of them, through the same uh, public-private dialogue, uh, projects such as Projects such as Zambia, Tanzania, Kenya Interconnector, okay. projects such as uh, Francistown, Nata Road okay. along the North-South Corridor, okay. and, and, and many more. Mm. And uh, what happens is that um, the, the, the involvement of the private sector helps us mm. to observe those risks okay. which would otherwise not uh, you know, enable them to come on board. Sure. So we start talking about those bottlenecks. And what the, the public sector does is to go back and address those policy directives or suggestions yeah. or recommendations from the private sector. Okay. So by the time we reach final uh, a preparation, we would have addressed legal issues, policy issues, uh, regulatory issues around a specific project. So we, we, we I think we are doing um, a commendable uh, job in that regard. Uh, so that uh, at the end of the day, you will have that, you know, healthy pipeline of projects. Mm. They are saying there are no bankable projects. Mm. Now, that's why we have to involve them. Mm. And in terms of that bankability that, that you highlighted, it's a huge a concern, especially for the private sector. And it's always being highlighted when it comes to intra-trade um, infrastructural big projects. And 
that bankability is something that is something that still needs to be unpacked. Have you guys found found a solution to that? Right now, the session which is going on mm. in there, they're talking mm-hmm. about quality infra- infrastructure. Okay. And for you to get to that, it, it, it doesn't start at after design, mm. you know. Mm. It starts from preparation. Sure. The minute you start bringing in all the players, mm. then you are trying to address that mm. quality issue. Okay. And by the time you finish with mm. your preparation, mm. then you have a quality, bankable, investable project. Mm. So once you start opening up the issues of corruption, the issues of procurement, mm. you know, open, mm. then then you, you 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 begin to have that healthy pipeline, which anybody can come in, private sector, mm. uh, private investors, whoever they can come in. Mm. The issue is risk, mm. political one, is there commitment? Are there agreements in place? Mm. Are countries committed? You know, so those are the issues that uh, that we are, are tracing. Regulatory issues. We cannot come into your country. You don't even have a, 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 a public-private partnership uh, legislation. So how then do we start to play? So those are the issues that you know we we try to, uh, with honesty, with transparency, begin to talk to talk to. Yeah. You know, another thing that's very interesting. It, when you come to gatherings like this, and I've attended a couple of them in the last three years or so, is the conversation around how do we ensure that small, medium enterprises also get a share of their particular market with these particular uh, projects? Because we want uh, small, medium enterprises in sub-Saharan African countries to grow. We want to see that growth in, in that particular space. Have, have you dealt with, with those particular issues? Munani, um, you want to tackle that? <laughs> yeah, um, if you look at the the SADC industrial strategy and roadmap, okay. um, as well as the action plan that was uh, approved in March in 2017 in Swaziland, mm. they are very strong in terms of uh, encouraging uh, small and medium scale enterprises okay. uh, uh, for obvious reasons uh, that, you know, they play a critical role in the SADC region in terms of employment creation, mm. uh, in terms of uh, entrepreneurship development. Yeah, sure. uh, you know, people transform from being uh, small, small uh, interpre- entrepreneurs to medium and ultimately larger, mm. larger, larger uh, entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, they provide uh, opportunities for uh, intubation of, 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 of entrepreneurs. So. Mm. The, the the strategy and explain is, is, is very 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 uh, encouraging on that regard mm-hmm. and now we are in the process of uh, trying to develop a small and medium scale mm-hmm. uh, enterprise development uh, program mm-hmm. uh, that will uh, assist uh, as we go forward and implement the action plan mm-hmm. uh, my colleague can add on mm-hmm. uh, from this infrastructure side mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for us the issue would be now on um, the issues of procurement. Mm-hmm. Because the issue of small contractors will come in mm. in that space. Mm. Um, how do we make sure that even when we send out those requests for proposals, mm. we make sure that we take care of the needs of mm. the small entrepreneurs? Mm. So I think um, in, in, at regional level, we still need to 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 to. to to develop maybe a blueprint, a guideline or a toolkit to say this is how you go about uh, procuring, making sure that you involve those small contractors. Because also you need someone who will be able to handle that kind of 
of, of contract. Yes, is, yeah. that, is, that is true. So this is something within the industrialization strategy that, uh, that the Munani uh, may, may, may wish to come in to talk mm. about where we are saying infrastructure catalyzing uh, industrialization. industrialization. Yeah. What, what, do we ne- how, what do we mean in mm. terms of mm. provision of services? If we are going to have a big dam, mm. uh, let's say the Lesotho Highlands Phase 2, mm. then for the local uh, entrepreneurs, yeah. how do we bring them on board so that we buy that cement from them, mm. we buy some materials sure. from the locals, sure. so they are, all, they are also captured in the, in mm. the, in the industrialization strategy mm. and roadmap. Mm. But it is very critical, the issue of harmonization of procurement policies and strategies, we need to work on those. Mm. Uh, basically, um, the, the, the idea is that you know, as we develop these corridors, infrastructure corridors, mm. um, at every level, uh, uh, we have to involve involved entrepreneurs within a given locality. Mm. If the corridor is, 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 is from Deben to uh, somewhere in DRC, mm. uh, along the way between Deben, uh, Botswana, uh, Zimbabwe, Zambia, mm. uh, all in, entrepreneurs along the corridor, uh, SMEs, should be involved in terms of uh, uh, procuring uh, uh, stuff from them. Yeah. Uh, all the needs that are needed within to develop that corridors should be procured locally mm. and locally means along the corridor and along the corridors means across the SADC region. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up in terms of this idea of uniformity and you highlighted some of those challenges of uniformity uh, when it comes to policies. Um, are we getting the, that particular issue right because uh, that uniformity is something that kind of hampers the, the fast tracking of, of these corridors? It is critical. Mm. You cannot focus on um, hard infrastructure and leave out the soft issues. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where we are having a big challenge. Mm. It is so easy at regional level to develop those harmonization proposals. Mm-hmm. They get to be signed off, but the issue is domestication. Because once we have what agreed, do you mean by domestication? Because once we have agreed at regional level, okay, okay. you now have to take it and go to Malawi. Oh, and yes. go to, to Lesotho oh. and say, in terms of my legislation, mm. what does it provide? Mm. Mm. Now I need to mainstream that into my own national legislation. Mm. And that's where we have a bottleneck. Mm. That's where we have a bottleneck. Mm. At regional platforms, we sign off. Mm. Now bring it home. You know, we are acting nationally, but doing business at regional mm. platform. So your national laws should talk to the regional priorities also. Mm. That's where we are having um, uh, some challenges. But however, we, we, with time, member states are understanding that you cannot do trade in the region if you don't address soft issues. Mm. And by addressing soft issues, it's not about sitting around in conferences mm. and agreeing, I have to go back to South Africa mm. and address those issues. Mm to make sure that there's that smooth movement across the region, across the corridors. So it is very critical. Otherwise, we will have superhighways, we will have all those trains and whatever. If you do not address the soft elements where now you have to simplify issues, then... Mm-hmm. You are you, you haven't started, mm-hmm. and also people centricness. You know how uh, ordinary. I'm I'm just thinking about the ordinary person listening to this broadcast at home. Why should they care? Why should they actually care about this intra-trade, this regionality of thinking in our business format? 
Now, they, they should a lot because um, if you look at our strategy for industrialization, uh, one of the key enablers in this uh, inclusiveness. Uh, by inclusiveness, we mean that everyone uh, should be involved in this in this process. Uh, it may be youth, uh, women, disadvantaged men, um, private sector, the media, uh, civil society. Uh, everyone uh, is called on board to uh, participate and uh, develop the region. Well, thank you both for giving us your time. It's been fantastic. Thank you for your honesty as well and highlighting those particular challenges. Uh, thank you to Mapula Omokwena joining us from the SEDEC Secretariat from Botswana. Thank you to Munani Munani as well, who is also from the SEDEC Secretariat, giving us a time about the SEDEC industrialization. We Good luck with the rest of the conversations. I hope that you guys fast-pace your conversations and you get uh, things that are really, really going to uh, take things forward from now on. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, we're going to bring more guests in. Uh, we'll just uh, take a quick break. Uh, just let them settle in here in our outside broadcast. But you're listening to Channel Africa, uh, the African uh, perspective. Thank you for joining us on our shortwave services. Remember, we're also on DSTV on Audio Bouquet Channel 802. Uh, don't forget that you can listen to us on also our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's international radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. Listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja. Nam, kwenye line ya simu, hivi sasa, najiunga moja kwa moja. Farafina. Farafina. Terre du Soleil. Está na companhia do serviço em língua portuguesa do canal África, a voz de renascença africana que transmite a partir dos seus estudos centrais de Auckland Park, cidade de Johannesburg, África do Sul. Informing the world about Africa, Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for listening to us on our various African platforms. Remember, we're also on shortwave. We're also on the audio bouquet on our DSTV channel, and you can listen to us on our website. Today, we're outside our studios in Johannesburg. We are right here in Sunning Hill at uh, uh, the SEDEC Industrialization Week. How do you actually make sure that uh, uh, you fast-track uh, intertrade on the African continent? Now, joining us 
us on uh, the uh, panel is uh, the Development Bank of Southern Africa Group Executive in the Strategy Department, and uh, that's Mohan Vivikanandan, who's uh, joining us in our conversation. Mohan, thank you for giving us your time. No, it's my pleasure. You just thank spoke you. this morning. How did it go? Did the nerves kind of... Uh, they didn't kill you or anything. You, 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 did, you did okay, right? I hope so, yeah. <laughs> I think I've still got a job. So. <laughs> Fantastic. No, look, Mohan, you know, when you talk about intertrade, we were speaking with the other guests, uh, Mopolao and Munani Munana, around just the complexity of it, how it is in terms of policy, uh, assimilation, harmonization, in terms of do we have the same vision in all these uh, SEDEC countries. Uh, from your talk today, I'm sure you were speaking about those kind of issues that you know, how do we break down those bottlenecks and, and, and that red tape mechanism? Yes, that's right. Um, I think this is where we're lucky. We do have an organization like SADC and the Secretariat mm. that can bring together the 15 countries mm. because, um, you know, for us to be viable economically and to grow, we really need to integrate a lot more. Sure. Um, so so those, are, those are definite challenges. And we're a, a development finance institution, mm-hmm. so we focus more on preparation of projects and financing of projects. Mm. And you really need entities, you know, the governments and entities like SADC to come together and ensure there's um, an investable arena, Mm. you know, in terms of regulation, legislation, cross-border policies Mm. that allow these projects to to come to fruition. Mm. So tell us a little bit about that. I mean, in terms of bankability, I know it's a big term when we were speaking about that even earlier, about, you know, we need to create bankability in terms of these infrastructural projects. We need projects that are attractive for investors and I'm sure those are areas that that you cover despite all these kind of challenges that you just unpacked. Sure. Um, The the way we think about it is we look at it from a value chain for Mm. infrastructure. At the start is to make sure that there's a master plan in place Mm. for a sector. Mm. You know, it could be a municipality that has a 20-year master plan for water and sanitation. Mm. It could be a region like SADC that has master plans mm. for regional integration for roads, rail, border posts, right? Mm. Once that's in place, then you can start identifying and working on individual projects. Okay. And that's what we talk about project preparation mm. and where we talk about funding the bankability stage. Mm. And typically you're looking at maybe 3 to 5% of the cost of a project mm. you have to invest upfront. You know, it's also called front-end loading. Mm. Once that's done... Then you've got a project that you know economically, socially, environmentally, technologically, so on and so forth, is bankable, is doable. Mm. Then you can bring in financing both from equity investors, entities like ourselves, Mm. and from the commercial banks that together make up the the investment that's required. Mm. And also in terms of... You know, people when they want to make investment, they're always thinking returns, returns, returns. Absolutely, it's one of the big challenges when, it, when especially when it comes to these infrastructural projects. What do I get in, in return? Uh, well, there is that human element of in why infrastructural development is important on a largest human scale and an economic value. But in terms of the investor themselves. Is it tricky when it comes to these infrastructural developments to sell that, hey, actually, this will get you some returns? You know, I don't think so. In fact, there's a lot of money globally Mm -hmm. that's chasing these opportunities. And also in South Africa, you know, South Africa has five trillion rands of pension assets. Um, And these are long-term liabilities that they need to pay to those people who are putting their money. So they need long-term assets that can give them consistent returns. And infrastructure can do that, both globally and we've seen it in South Africa as well. Mm. So I don't think it's a hard sell. What I think is the hard sell 
is to ensure that in a given sector there is a very predictable regulatory environment um, and an understood way for, for the investors to participate in the asset, to invest in it in terms of procurement and other elements. Mm -hmm. and I think when those are there, there is a lot of money that's out there chasing the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And what that means for us in Southern Africa is we need to provide that. You know, if governments and development finance institutions can provide that environment, we can definitely crowd in um, a lot of private sector and you can get mm -hmm. them to compete. Mm -hmm. Our own private sector, you know, our own investors, investors from other parts of Africa, from Europe, East Asia, mm -hmm. North America, so there's a lot of people now chasing these projects. Mm. And I, I want to touch on something that you highlighted there, is the fact of sec the security of it all. And, you know, sometimes when, I think Maite highlighted this particular fact yesterday in her opening, the fact of you need to create a united front. Uh, this is how you create that secure image for that particular region. And also the issue of peace and stability. And we know in others, SADC is pretty much of healthy in that regard. We know we have some challenges, but it's not as bad as other African regions. Um, so in terms of SADC, how are we doing in terms of making sure that our, our reputation profile ensures that safety? Okay, oh, that, that's, a, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I think first of all, you know, if you look at the levels of economic growth, mm. the levels of economic integration, we haven't been doing particularly well mm. versus, let's say, sure, East Africa, sure, West sure. Africa. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of good lessons we can take from those regions. Right. Um, I do agree that, you know, I, I think we are blessed more with, with, econo uh, with you know, political stability, stability yes. than some of those other regions. Mm. And the question then is, why aren't we fully utilizing it to see the benefits to improve the good lives point, of our yeah. people? Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, I think as a region, some of these protocols that we sign um, are, are crucial. Mm. But then the question is, how do the member countries then ensure full adoption of it? So if one or two members mm. then break away from that, mm. how do you try and uh, put pressure on them, mm. you know, without violating their sovereignty, but in a way that says, look, you've made these commitments, you've made it to us as a region, so we expect you to keep those. Mm. Well, I also just want to move forward a little bit in terms of um, also including the, f the people-centric element, especially why it's important for us to include the, the development aspect of things. Because I feel that's also a central issue to why these uh, industrialization conversations are important, because we want to create an economic growth in the region in itself. And I think sometimes the human element is something that doesn't really make us as passionate as, as we should be in terms of fast-tracking the growth. Because I feel even with these projects, if we start investing into them in a fast manner, we'll start seeing growth even uh, with our GDP rates economically. Yeah, you know, you know, when we talk about especially economic infrastructure, you know, power, mm. transport, sure. ICT, it does leave a little bit of the human element out because you <laughs> often talk about things like GDP growth, sure, sure, exports, sure. Mm. reduced turnaround times, those kinds of mm. things. Mm. And I think the critical thing is then how do you link that? Because ultimately those things are about, you know, um, a, a breadwinner and a family who sure. now has a job sure. that he or she didn't have before. Mm. Mm. You know, one of the ways to really drive gender equality mm. as well you know, is by providing a lot of access and opportunities to women. And mm. often it's women who benefit mm. if, they, if you've got better access to water and sanitation, mm. safer transport, mm. you know, all of those types of elements as well. Mm. So there's an absolute human element. And then also if you think about the next generation, yeah, if you don't have jobs 
um, now, then how are you going to be able to take care of your children mm. and provide them with access to education and all the things you want? Mm. So you're right, you know, it, it can seem a bit technical, but ultimately it's about improving the quality of lives of the people in the region. And, and that's really where the DBSA's mandate. Mm. You know, it's about improving economic mm. growth, but improving the quality of life of our people and then promoting regional integration. Yeah, I know because I'm part of the microwave generation and the Twitter generation, I think in 150 words. So okay. I have to apologize to say you this. And Trump, Some yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and the president. <laughs> Uh, when I think of the uh, gender 2063 kind of uh, a vision, I get a, a little bit bored. But I, I, I like the idea that, you know, the fact that what you're highlighting kind of taps into that. We need to have a roadmap that kind of thinks long-term in terms of, of, of the future of Africa and imagining it in, in a different sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it is important to have these long-term plans because it helps provide a context for making investments. And also keep in mind, you know, infrastructure is a 30-, 40-year investment, if not longer. Um, you know, there are subways in New York, London that, that were built 100 years ago they're still using, right? So you've, you do have to have a long-term vision, but at the same time, it needs to be practical, and people need to start seeing the benefits pretty quickly as well. Otherwise, you're right, they do lose interest. In, mm. in those elements. Mm. Well, let me see if I can bring in our other guests. Uh, I was expecting him a bit earlier, but we're about to end the show, but it's fine. Let's bring in Mr. Charles Harding, who is from the CSIR in terms of strategic partnerships. He is a manager there. Thank you, uh, Mr. Harding, for giving us your time. Uh, tell us a little bit about your involvement here. We've been speaking about so many elements uh, with our various guests. Uh, in terms of the CSIR, I know that you work in terms of research and capacity building. Uh, tell us a little bit about your involvement here. Uh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, as you know, the CSR is a technology organization. So we they do develop IP for the region. So uh, from our perspective, we are here to see, well, how can the CSR uh, assist the region in developing certain IP um, model, for example, some of the infrastructure needs that is required. Um, a lot of times we get investments in, in areas where we actually haven't done proper decision support in terms of uh, what does the models look like in terms of what will be the most competitive and best functional way of actually delivering some of the infrastructure? So we're looking at to see well, where can the CSR help in terms of making, helping the regions make decisions, but also what type of intellectual properties required to start the manufacturing processes, industrialization. Uh, in the region. And, and in terms of that, in terms of science and technology, are there opportunities in that regard? Uh, I think there's a lot. Um, I think if you start looking at uh, the imports uh, currently done by the region, I think there's a, we've got a big opportunity as a, as a region to start developing our own intellectual property, to start manufacturing better, um, beneficiating what we have. Um, there has been a, a lot of talk in the last two days about manufacturing and if you start looking at uh, new mega trends like electric vehicles and looking at batteries um, we've got all the, the, the materials in, in Africa to actually build batteries but we're not beneficiating in creating uh, those type of products Why uh, not? Why not? Well I, I think there's, there's different reasons for it um, I, I think uh, firstly um, we need to build uh, more capacity and skills um, uh, and uh, I think there's a dis disbelief, it, if it comes from somewhere else, it's better. Uh, it has been a lot of discussion in terms of we create great products, um, but sometimes we import the products, we don't use our own products, just because uh, there's this conception if it's imported, it's better. Sure, sure.
Well, you know, I, it's, it's interesting to have all these conversations, but then what more should we do in terms of skill development, especially in, in the science and technology fields, because that's where we are lacking in, in, in the region. Uh, yeah, I think it's. Uh, um, I had a, a long session with different universities uh, yesterday as well, and um, the the big thing is is the pipeline. Uh, we need a be- better pipeline from schooling right through universities, creating the right skills in universities that that feeds industry. Um, we need a, a a bigger science and technology uh, base. Uh, but also we need to create a bit more of entrepreneurial view. Um, doesn't help you have uh, the best science and technology. Um, skills in the world but you don't have the entrepreneurs to actually see the gap and actually start pushing these guys in the right direction well I just want to maybe bring both of you into this wrap up Mohan in terms of I love what uh, was highlighted by Charlie the fact that we still need that issue of, of skill development you were talking earlier on about the right kind of investments and also the right kind of policies to create a, a framework and an environment for that. But in terms of complementing skills and development and investment, in, in, in your view, what, what needs to be done? Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the skills, I, I think, unfortunately, in South Africa, you know, it needs to be focused from the school age up. But I think to be more practical now, one of the things that we're seeing is you know, the government agencies and government entities that are focused on making sure the right legislative environment is there mm. in sector by sector, mm. you know, that also requires some very good skills. And it's not always easy to keep them mm. in those areas. So, uh, and, and it's an issue in South Africa and certainly in all of the different countries within SADC as well. We're pretty reliant right now on a lot of foreign aid in, in many cases yeah, yeah. to be able to provide that. And, mm. and I think that's the skill set we need to be able to, to develop and then keep in those a- in, uh, in those agencies and really reward them properly um, and, and um, thank them for their work because they do really crucial work, mm. which then allows you know, the infrastructure to come through. So, so can we have a more self kind of um, stimulating investment? In that, because like uh, was highlighted there, was the fact that most of the aid that ensures that that type of skill is invested into is foreign. Do we have the the self will to do it ourselves? Um, yes, I, I think we do, but um, I think that there's a, there's a lacking vision. Sure, um, sure. If you look at the countries that drove a lot of uh, industrial development. Uh, they almost put this let's put a man on the moon <laughs> vision out there and everybody aligns yeah, um, sure, sure. currently we're trying to do too many things across too many sectors mm. uh, so so we need a, a better a better filter mechanism to say well what do we need to do as a region to get ahead in the global competitive market so so creating a bit more of a focus aligning the resources that we have promise if you do dilute the, the resources too much you're not never going to achieve anything and that's currently what we're doing mm. I mean, uh, there's something um, tangible around that for infrastructure we set up something called the pan-african capacity building program mm. that's something that the dbsa along with the idc in south africa and now the african development bank so that's an example of african entities that are taking capacity building seriously we open it up to professionals all over the continent we partner with african universities as well to build capacity there so you know that's that we see as as as, w- as a practical example of of capacity building mm. in in the infrastructure space, mm. but isn't filtering it down as well creating restrictions in terms of the possibilities as well, or fine tuning it too much creates a, a lack in terms of really fast tracking the infrastructural needs. 
Um, well, to a certain extent, I, I, you might see it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that um, creating a bit more focus uh, allows more people uh, to focus on what, what is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I think there's a lot of activities that's not necessarily getting the, the impact that it, it could achieve, just okay. purely because of the... Um, the the lack of focus. Mm. Um, I'm not saying uh, stop doing everything. <laughs> I'm saying create focus to say, well, um, there's certain areas we can make serious impact, uh, and let's start uh, doing that. And uh, I think um, if, if you start creating focus, it's also easier to to carry through mm. big investments because mm. a lot of investments we've seen in the last 15 years, uh, people just stop investing in the middle of a project. Mm. Um, and I, and I think the Jewel, for example, is an example of that. We Jewel just died. Um, I think maybe Jewel was, a, in my personal opinion, maybe a bit of ahead of, ahead of its time. Um, but I think something like that can stimulate significant growth uh, in, a, in the automotive sector. Well, we have to wrap it up there. Thank you guys for giving us your time. Different views are coming here, big discussions that are, are taking place indeed. Thank you to both of our guests, Charles Harding, who is the Strategic Partnerships Manager at the CSIR. Thank you as well to Mohan Vivekanandan, who is joining us from the Development Bank of Southern Africa. He's the group executive of the Strategic Department there. Uh, thank you guys for giving us your time. Well, my, my brain is uh, a bit bloated right now with all the information intake. I hope that you as the listener were all right with all these different things that are happening here at uh, the SADC Industrialization Week. Well, we have to wrap it up. Back to our Johannesburg studios.